community. And now, tonight's exposure. This is uh, the Impact Exposure. My name is Wes. I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, some uh, great guests lined up for you tonight. Uh, Brett Kaczynski is here from the uh, Lansing Parks and uh, Recreation uh, Department, as well as Robert and Robert, Robert excuse me, Robert Robinson from uh, Michigan Parks. Uh, Jesse Gibbons will be coming in a little later on to discuss uh, Comic Night over at Max Bar, as well as Elizabeth Simmons from the uh, now Lyman Briggs College, formerly the Lyman Briggs School of Science. But before we get to any of that, I want to thank you for being here, Brett. Uh, if you could just uh, give us a little bit of an idea about what's going on this week in Lansing. Sure. Well, tomorrow we celebrate our Independence Day, and uh, we start out with a parade at 11 a.m. That will be in downtown Lansing. We'll start around the Hall of Justice and head to the east uh, using Allegan Street. The best viewing for it will probably be right along the Capitol, um, right by the Capitol there. So we'll go on the Capitol and then back on Ottawa again. So we have over 65 entries. We're really excited for it this year. We've got a number of floats, some horses involved, and, and just a great way to celebrate the Independence Day. We have uh, also some military heroes that will be there, so we're excited about that as well. And and plenty of free giveaways for the kids. Excellent. Well, uh, so who, who's involved in it? What, what kind of floats are uh, running through? Well, we'll have floats that have various themes, whether it be on our recreation department, for instance, our sports department will have a float in it. Our community centers will have their floats. We'll have floats, like I say, with the military heroes just celebrating them. Um, there will be floats with dancers on them. Habibi dancers, uh, I know, is one float that, that will be in there. Just celebrating a lot of uh, and, and kind of promoting a lot of um, our activities that we have in the Parks and Recreation Department and in the city in general. Excellent. Now, you mentioned something about celebrating uh, our, our military veterans. Uh, what, what sort of, uh, are there parts of the event that are geared toward them, or what, what are you, what's basically being done for the military? As always with our, on Independence Day, and, and really any, any parade for that matter, they're the leadoff. So we'll start with the color guard, and then you'll see some um, veterans and their families. You'll see some maybe active that are back in the Lansing area right now and going back over to to the Middle East or wherever they're wherever they're serving. But they will be all be at the front of the parade. Hmm. Excellent. And then, uh, so following the parade, what what else do you have, do you have going on? Following the parade uh, at eight p.m., we start with our annual. Um, Lansing Concert Band Performance in Riverfront Park. Now that's right across from Lansing Community College, right along the river, uh, same area where we have our Common Ground Festival. Hmm. But um, that will start at 8 p.m. The Lansing Concert Band will be playing for about two hours, uh, a little bit over that, and then we will shoot our fireworks immediately following that at 10.15. Oh, excellent. So we have about a 20, 25-minute uh, fireworks show and the best viewing for that, again, is in downtown Lansing, right near Riverfront Park. Um, but the fireworks, are you're able to view them from a number of parks in there. But the concert itself will be at 8 p.m. Uh, down in Riverfront Park. Excellent. Now, if we do have rain, everything gets postponed to the next day, oh, including okay. the fireworks. So we just want to make people aware of that. And, and we'll try and get that word out to to all the radio stations and TV and media and Certainly. announce that out. But, um, yeah, hopefully yeah, we'll finger, be fingers crossed on that. Fingers one. crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed. So now what, uh, you mentioned the concert, uh, what sort of uh, music could people expect? Well, it's a concert band. Uh, so you will hear kind of a, 
well, concert band. Right, right. You, you, you'll hear all your horns. You'll hear all your all your instruments. Okay. Um, basically, no electronic gig, um, guitars. But the sound is is really excellent. And we work with um, M, I'm sorry, LCC, mm. and even some people from MSU as far as sound tech for that. Um, so it, it's really it's actually a class uh, that comes out there and and helps us out with the sound for that. So we're really grateful. Uh, for those individuals. But yeah, it'll be concert band. We also have a choir coming in um, that will be doing a few patriotic numbers. So it's it's really, again, just a patriotic theme, celebrating the Independence Day. And uh, and then we finish it all off at, at about 1015 uh, with our fireworks celebration. Excellent. Now, so what sort of planning goes into a fireworks celebration of this size? Oh, boy. Uh, well, first of all, you have to find a vendor for that. And you have to locate a good site, which we maintain our same site year after year. We shoot from probably the highest point in the downtown area, which is our Oak Park uh, area, and we have a large hill that we shoot them off. But basically, you come with an amount to the to the vendor and say, this is the amount that we have, and then they're able to tell you how many 6-inch shells you have and how many 8-inch shells you have and how many bombers and whistlers and displays and so you compare all that out it's basically shopping for uh for a show and this year uh we're thankful to uh new union credit union for helping us out with that event um, they've been excellent excellent addition to that very nice well now what sort of expectations go into uh a, a sort of a, basically a, a sapphire uh, excuse me a, let me phrase that. What, what sort of expectations go into a, a 4th of July celebration at a Capitol? I mean, this a bigger scale, I'm sure, but what, what should sure. you expect? We, we want the event to be a family atmosphere, number one. We want it to be something that our uh, residents in the area would be proud of as far as the celebration. So we try and make it a family-friendly event, um, one that fits all ages, that is very diverse, uh, in terms of the population it serves, because Lansing's a very diverse population, so we want to make sure that we that we um, emphasize all those aspects. I guess not only in our parade and what we put out there, and you'll see a, a very diverse parade, um, but also in in who we serve and who we market to. That's very important to us. Certainly, you want to make sure everyone's uh, included and invited. And- absolutely, absolutely, because you know, like I say, it is the Independence Day. It is for everyone. It's not just for uh, for a select group of of people. Um, this is our nation's holiday, and so everybody should be in, involved with it. You know, Excellent. if they choose. Yeah. Well, now uh, in in welcoming everybody, is there certain are there certain parts of the festival that are tailored towards certain groups? You know, certain things for the kids, certain things for. Uh, for grandparents, things like that? Yeah. We will have inflatables for the kids there. Uh, we have a 56-foot-long obstacle course uh, complete with a rock-climbing wall and slide at the wow. end. So that thing is always a hit, no matter where we take it, and it'll be down there at Riverfront Park again tomorrow. But no matter where we take it from the moment we flip the switch on until the moment we uh, stand in line and say this is the last person going through, there's people going through it. I, so, I, I was about to say it sounds pretty fun to me, it, too. <laughs> it is. It is. And and we, uh, we're we able to run two people through at a time, so you're kind of able to race or challenge somebody else. Um, everybody from 36 inches high 
all the way on up can go on it. So Excellent. it's adults, kids, anyone. So you'll let me go on it then? Yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> I encourage you to. Excellent. I encourage you to. So, yeah. You cannot wear shoes on the inflatable, but other than that, um, as long as you're not trying any flips off the top of the rock climbing wall, we're, we're good. <laughs> I think I can live with that. There you go. Now, I read that there was also a, a bike decorating contest. Yes. Tell us a bit about that. That's in the parade. Um, we have and invite all kinds of kids. Uh, we have bike decorating contests for the kids to come down there. Basically, you want to decorate your bike with as much streamers, flags, patriotic symbols as, as possible. And we will judge them based on age groups. And the judging occurs before the parade. So by by uh, 10 o'clock, you want to be down there with your bike. We'll probably finish up the um, judging right around 10.30, 10.45, get you into your spot in the parade, and then you're able to ride the route. So neat kind of thing for kids to get involved in obviously we want them to be focused on the bike in front of them and not waving to the sure. to the crowd <laughs> that's always and they do need to wear a bike helmet i do need that, that. is important that is important you you have to have the safety devices but um yeah it's a neat event for kids and they're able to get in there and showcase their uh, craft that they did sure. and and took some time in and and celebrate and it's always neat to be in a parade because most people see a parade but it's very not very often that you're actually in a parade. Be the center of attention. There you go. Can you? Are there any that stick out in your mind from uh, previous contests? That, uh, oh, you'd be amazed. Particularly flamboyant. <laughs> you, you, you would be amazed at at the number of flags that can be attached to a bike, and the number of streamers, and then the clicky things that go on the wheels, and and then not only how how your bike's decorated, but how you decorate up yourself and. They have bikes now that look like choppers, and, and then you have bikes that kind of like four-wheelers. So <laughs> it's it's interesting. These are pedal bikes, but, sure. uh, yeah, the kids really do a great job and, and really have a great imagination. Um, so we're always excited about that part of the part of the parade. Now, how long how long have they been doing the uh, bike decorating part of this? Oh, as long as we've had a parade. Really? Okay. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Integral part. And, and we've been doing a parade for, boy, over 25 years, I'm oh. sure. So now how, how, how have you seen the uh, the whole event change over the years? Well, it's a little bit m more difficult to get marching bands in. And, and that's the one thing that I think is frustrating to us. And so if anyone out there knows of marching bands that could help us out, uh, obviously not for this year, but in future years, if they could uh, contact us on that, that would be great. Um, but yeah, marching bands, it's difficult to get them in the summer because obviously they are out of school mm -hmm. and out of session. Um, there used to be a lot of community bands, whether that be community marching bands. Um, we don't have as many of those. But as far as people's interest in floats and celebrating independence and, and uh, welcoming heroes back that have fought in battle, for instance, that has always been there. I mean, that's always been a staple. And waving flags and, um, you know, obviously politicians being in the parade. I mean, that's all That's all a part of it. So uh, as far as Indef Independence Day and how it's evolved, um, you still have a lot of old cars in the parade. Not as many tractors as maybe you used okay. to have. <laughs> that, that would be something that's different. But um, it's still Independence Day. And it's still about being patriotic and, and celebrating the freedoms that we have. And those themes stay the same throughout. Excellent. Well, now, uh, a 4th of July celebration 
such as this, uh, of course, always has the, the potential to be political. Uh, how do you like deal with challenges like that? Yeah, that's always a, a challenge, I guess, in the parade. And this year we're lucky because it's not a, a political year. But to be honest with you, that's part of it, too. Um, that's part of uh, our nation's right to vote for individuals and candidates and for their right to get the word out. That's all a part of it. What we want is for candidates to do that in a, um appropriate way, I guess, and not uh, slam it down somebody's throat, I guess, while they're um, viewing, say, the concert that night. However, you know, getting an entry in the parade, absolutely. That's that's an integral part of, of our Independence Day as well. So we, we embrace that as well. As long as they don't gap the parade, we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Stay with the car in front of you and we're good. I think that's a fair rule. There you go. <laughs> well, now, so if, uh, looking forward to next year, if someone wants to get involved in the, uh, in the parade, any part of the event, how would they do that? Sure. They just need to contact the Parks and Recreation Department. Specifically for the parade, they can call our, our Geyer Community Center number, which is uh, 483-4313. So, but yeah, we, we always invite um, people to get involved with, with this event because it is a great celebration. Excellent. Well, the parade, the, uh, the concert, uh, of course, the black decorating for the kids as well. Uh, are there uh, any other uh, events affiliated with the, the celebration that you would like to mention? Um, not, not with that. We do. It is part of our, our Independence Day celebration, our concert um, down there at Riverfront Park is part of our Concerts in the Park series. And we do have those every Wednesday, and just so happens that this year the 4th falls on a Wednesday. But we do have concerts every Wednesday at a variety of parks throughout Lansing. And uh, schedules for those are available at any one of our community centers, or you can call our main office at 483-4277. Uh, or you can go to the City of Lansing website and just click on Parks, and you'll see our concert schedule. Now, we do go every Wednesday except for during Common Ground, and next week will be our Common Ground Festival in downtown Lansing. So we won't have a concert next week, Wednesday, but we'll start up again July 18th at Turner Dodge House, and that will be uh, uh, String Doctors. It's a country swing band. And so... You will see with our concerts in the park, again, we do a variety of music in a variety of parks. I mean, we've had classic rock, we've had polka, we've had smooth jazz, um, we've had uh, Tejano music. So you're going to see a wide variety with us. And, and that, again, is to make sure that we cover all our all our populations that we have in the city. Sure. And, and so, yeah, our concerts will go every Wednesday, again, starting July 18th through August 15th at at um, various parks throughout the city. We're never in the same location because we spread it around. So we take our mobile stage, our showmobile, and move that around, set up the electricity, and then we go. Excellent. Well, uh, sounds like a lot, uh, lot coming up, but certainly for tomorrow, it's pretty exciting. It um, is. For those of you just joining us, uh, Brett Kaczynski is here from the uh, Lansing City Recreation and Parks Department talking about the uh, upcoming parade and concert tomorrow uh, here in Lansing. 11 a.m. for the parade and uh, 8 p.m. for the concert. Correct. And 10 for the, uh, the fireworks 10, celebration. 10, 15 right? fireworks. Exactly. Great. Well, it sounds pretty exciting. I want to thank you for coming in. And uh, we're going to take a short break. Uh, Brett, excuse me, Brett Kaczynski and from the uh, Lansing City Parks and Recreation will be back with uh, Bob Robinson from the uh, Michigan Parks Department. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. 
At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. All right, we are back. Uh, well, a quick, little quick correction for you there. Uh, we're joined now by Mike Mazner, not Robert Robinson from the uh, Michigan uh, Recreation and Park Association. I want to thank you for being here. Uh, first, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about the uh, Michigan Recreation and Park Association. Well, thank you, Wes, and it's great to be here with you this evening. Uh, Michigan Recreation and Park Association is a private nonprofit association for parks and recreation professionals and citizen advocates throughout Michigan. Uh, while we have some uh, members from the private sector, we're made up primarily of your city, township, and county parks and recreation professionals and their citizen board and commission members. So we're talking about your city, township, and county, parks and recreation directors, recreation supervisors, therapeutic recreation specialists, park superintendents, and then almost every uh, community parks and recreation department has either an advisory or policy-setting board or commission made up of citizens from that community. So we represent those folks and and work with legislative advocacy and and education and training and and advocating for the importance of parks and recreation services across our state and across our our communities. Certainly. So you mentioned the the advocacy part. I'm sure there's a sort of networking function that comes with the uh, the association. Uh, How does that benefit individual groups like with uh, um, like with the Lansing Parks and Recreation? Well, I'm so pleased that Brett Kaczynski was able to be on your program tonight. Brett's a great example of our Parks and Recreation professionals out there, and, and he's working hard to create community, you know, right here in the community of Lansing through the great services that are provided by Lansing Parks and Recreation. And, and Brett has a lot of colleagues out there who are doing the same good work in their respective communities across the state. And it's really all about creating community through people, parks, and programs. Excellent. Well, now you mentioned the state uh, on a grander scale. Of course, this is uh, National Recreation and Parks Month. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we are the state affiliate uh, for the National Recreation and Park Association. They've declared the month of July as National Recreation and Parks Month. And uh, they encourage all Americans to celebrate a healthy and active lifestyle by getting involved with their local parks and recreation facilities. Uh, and this is something that's been going on for over 20 years now. It all started back in 1985 was mm. when they first designated July as National Recreation and Parks Month. So now, now why July? Well, it's certainly the busiest time of year probably across our nation. As a matter of fact, July 4th each year, uh, there are really more people in attendance at our nation's parks and recreation facilities than on any other single day of the year. And uh, when we look at the rest of the year on an annual basis, um, over 75% of the U.S. population, which means over 190 million people, will take advantage of the essential services provided by their local parks and recreation department. Wow, that's uh, that's no that's no small amount of people. I know I'll be uh, heading over to Lake Michigan myself. Uh, 
fantastic. Don't we have wonderful natural resources to enjoy here in this it's, great it's state? It's true. In fact, I, uh, I, I, I'm a recent transplant to this state, and I've been uh, sort of new to, to Lake Michigan. I've been uh, hitting that about three times so far this summer. It's, it's just beautiful. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, uh, as far as uh, the, the recreation and, and parks go, what would you like to educate people about? Uh, well, that? that's what July, you know, as National Recreation and Parks Month allows us to do, is really kind of shine the spotlight on the importance of recreation and park services. And there are a lot of benefits associated with the services that are provided across the community. There are individual, community, environmental, and economic benefits. And uh, just a few things to highlight is, is we know that uh, when individuals participate in parks and recreation services, they reduce stress. Uh, it does help improve academic performance, uh, improves health and fitness both now and in later years, and increases self-esteem. Um, we know that recreation services help reduce adult and juvenile crime, and we bring families together and help build strong communities as well. In, in the environmental area, uh, Parks and Recreation Departments, you know, provide accessible places for to enjoy nature. Uh, it uh, improves air, water, and soil quality and, and really helps to preserve our natural habitat. And there are economic benefits as well. Um, we know that, that parks help increase property values. Those, those residences that are clo you know, located near a park or a golf course, their property values are, are worth more than those are not, not located by those assets in the community. And, uh, you know, we also, through Parks and Recreation Services, help increase productivity and re reduce health care and insurance costs and also, of course, help boost tourism. And that's a big industry here in this state for Certainly. sure. Well, now, I mean, I'm uh, headed over to uh, Saugatuck tomorrow uh, to see some of the fireworks. Are there any uh, events you'd like to highlight uh, at the uh, parks and recreation uh, sites this month? Well, certainly tomorrow we know there's going to be a lot of uh, loud bangs and, and bright lights in the skies, uh, <laughs> at, you know, all across uh, this great state. And, and that's true in almost every community. Uh, and there are a lot of festivals and special events going on and way too many to try to, to go through tonight. But uh, there's all kinds of great activities going on for the July 4th holiday, of course. Anything that pops to mind? Any kind of highlights or... Uh... The well, the best. <laughs> well, you know, Brett talked about it, you know, with Lansing Parks and Recreation, and, and they're a big celebration. There are a lot of parades in, in various communities, uh, you know, around the state. And, and I know there are, you know, Delta Township Parks and Recreation is providing, you know, fireworks display tonight. They do it oh. the night before. Uh, and in addition to Lansing, I know tomorrow night Meridian Township on the opposite side of town, you know, Delta on the west and Meridian Township on the east side of town has their fireworks display tomorrow night. Excellent. Wow, you got a lot, lot to choose from then, I see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in your personal opinion, uh, what are some of the best-kept secrets of uh, parks and recreation in the, in the Michigan area? Well, you know, it's important to recognize, you know, not, you know, a lot of people think in terms of, ah, recreation is fun and games and that type of thing, and it certainly is, and we're proud of that. But there are a lot of other benefits associated with recreation and park services, and, and they certainly help to reduce crime, as I mentioned. Uh, studies continue to substantiate the fact that recreation and park services do indeed reduce crime, violence, and substance abuse. And that's particularly true for our youth during those critical after-school hours when deviant behaviors uh, tend to be at their peak. Um, clearly, we need to provide positive outlets and opportunities for our young people through parks and recreation activities. Uh, parks and recreation programs give at-risk youth an opportunity to discover healthy interests and strengthen leadership skills in safe environments. Uh, and recreation provides opportunities for youth to positively socialize with peers and relieve stress. And really the bottom line is we need to be proactive 
and reach our young people before they enter the juvenile justice system. So we need to be you know, on the front end of things and, and provide outstanding outlet, outlets for our young people. Well, to, it sounds like, uh, like the association is really taking a proactive stance on that. Absolutely, and, and we need to increase awareness in that regard and, and you know, recognize Parks and Recreation Services as essential. Certainly. Now, what, uh, are there any challenges to, uh, presented to the, the association at this time, uh, uh, advocacy or, or anything like that? Uh, well, we know in this state in particular, budgeting is, is a real challenge and, and uh, you know there have been a number of cuts to revenue sharing for local communities and and we're certainly an advocate for you know trying to get those those dollars to the local level and, and and provide not only police and fire services which are certainly essential but parks and recreation services as well as well so not only for young people but really people of all ages and we really want to encourage them to get out and be active and lead healthy active lifestyles certainly. well what would you say is the state of, of the uh, parks in Michigan right now? I think they're in good shape. You know, again, at the state level, budgeting has been a problem, and our, and our state parks have had to work extremely hard. But we have great leadership there, and they've worked hard to maintain our state park system, which is one of the finest in the nation. And, and we can be very, very proud of our, our state park system. And then uh, we work more closely with our local parks and recreation facilities. And and in spite of the fact that the budgets have been tight, we've got a lot of great professionals across the state that really work hard. Uh, and, and whether it's through tax dollars or whether they can pass a, a millage and, and get the support. And, and those millages are very well supported. Uh, it, it really shows how much the public supports their park facilities and, and, and recreation opportunities in the community when they'll support uh, a bond issue, for example, to help help pay for uh, park development and providing those important recreation facilities. So now what do you see as the future for uh, for the parks and recreation in, uh, in Michigan? Well, I see a very bright future, and, and it's it's encouraging to me to see that there's more recognition than ever about the importance of, of leading a healthy, active lifestyle. We have an obesity epidemic in this country, and, and we need to get Michigan off the leaderboard. Uh, Michigan's currently the third most obese state uh, in the nation, and we've been among the top ten heaviest states since 1992. Hmm. And we need to recognize that you know parks and recreation is part of that solution. Certainly. If we can encourage people to, to get out and be active, they are going to be more healthy, and we need to get on the front end of health care as well. I, yeah. I, I often say that I don't know that we really have a health care system. Uh, we have kind of what I would call a sick care system, and we kind of wait until people get sick and mm-hmm. then try to, you know, fill them full of prescription drugs and that type of thing. So, again, we need to be proactive, encourage people to be out there leading healthy, active lifestyles. And that's if right. they have recreation facilities and, and, and great parks to go to, uh, mm-hmm. that's important. Yeah, it's surprising considering the uh, the amount of options that people have in this state that uh, that we'd, we'd rank so highly. Well, it, it certainly is. And, and uh, you know, I mean, the winter weather has an impact, I'm sure. But also, and in particularly with our young people, we need to get them out from in front of the, the television screen and the computer screen. And those are all important things, but we mm-hmm. need to get them active sure. at the same time and, and increase physical education hours in, in yeah, our, that, that in our school balance. curriculums. Yeah. And, yeah, find that balance. Exactly, uh, and you know we can we can get after this obesity epidemic and, and get people even more healthy here. It does sound like being on the front line, certainly. Now, on a more personal uh, note, uh, where where do you like to go as far as uh, when you're when you want to go to the some, one of Michigan's parks? What are some of your favorites? Oh, you mentioned going to Lake Michigan Shoreline, and, and I love to, to visit that area. And there are a lot of great options, whether that's Saugatuck or Grand Haven or Muskegon, and. And we have some of the best beaches in the world, quite quite frankly. And, and I already mentioned what a wonderful state park system we have. But I, I'll tell you, I like to get out to our local parks and recreation facilities as well. And, and it's very important that, uh, you know, we make those parks accessible and that we have plenty of park opportunities available close to home where people can be active. And, and so often in the parks and recreation profession, we look at, oh, it's, you know, they offer programs and that type of thing. But really parks and recreation more and more is involved in community de- 
community design. Mm. And it's it's important to recognize that, you know, if we're going to encourage people to be active, we need to make our communities more walkable and bikeable. And, you know, that way people can be active in their everyday lifestyles. And, you know, they may be able to bike or walk to work or at least, you know, to the store or, you know, to visit their neighbors and, and, and travel across the community. So we, there's a lot of work that's going on with trails and greenways and, and connecting those trails across our state. Excellent. Well, now my, my final question to you, what, what would you recommend that people can do to help preserve uh, the parks that we have? Well, the best thing we can do is really support your local parks and recreation department and make sure that the decision makers at the local level know how important those those facilities are and those recreation programs are. And as I say, not not only for our youth, which is so important, but for people of all ages, including senior citizens. And and these parks and recreation departments really work across all age groups and, and across the community to really improve the quality of life. And and we really need to support those efforts. And, and July, as National Recreation and Parks Month, gives us a great opportunity to recognize the professionals and those citizen board and commission members who are out there working so hard to, to create community through yeah. people, parks, and programs. Sounds like a, a big challenge, but uh, you guys are doing a great job of it. I want to thank for, uh, Mike Maisner from the uh, Michigan uh, Recreation and Park Association for being here. And uh, you've got a lot of great options for the 4th of July, uh, so I hope uh, you folks get a chance to take, care, take advantage of that. So, again, thanks for uh, coming in, and we're going to take a quick break. Thank you, Wes, very much, and have a great July 4th holiday. Thank you, you too. Thank you. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building? Without all that? Smoking. Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. When you get up in the morning and turn on the radio, you don't want to hear those other guys talking on your way to work, do you? You don't want to hear talking. You want to hear music. So here at The Impact, we are making you a promise. We're calling it the More Music Morning's 89-second play. We, The Impact, pledge that every weekday morning from 8 to 10 a.m., we will shut up and play music. We pledge that we won't talk for more than 89 seconds at a time, meaning more music all morning long. We pledge that every caller who requests a song between 8 and 10 a.m., Monday through Friday, will be entered to win a great Impact prize. And we pledge that in return for your listening to us, we will listen to you and play more music that you want to hear. So tune into The Impact for more music mornings. Let us know what to play, and maybe you could win some cool stuff. Only here on 88.9 The Impact. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. This is The Impact Exposure. Uh, my, we're back with uh, Jesse Gibbings, a uh, who's organizing the uh, comedy night over at Max Bar called Get a Soft On. It's uh, this Monday, uh, July 9th at uh, 8 p.m. Uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about it? Well, basically, um, we went to Max Bar, and uh, it's a night where uh, I brought in some comics from Detroit, and um, usually the lineup changes. We've done one show already, and we have two more scheduled after this one. Um, both will be in August, August 6th and August 20th. And basically, we have different stand-up comics come in and you know do their sets, and then also, you know, different sketches and 
it's kind of whatever the comics we book, whatever they kind of do, we we do. So um, it's not open mic, though. It's professional comics coming in. It's the real deal, then. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Young and up and coming up-and-coming comics. Excellent. Well, any, anyone that you would uh, care to mention? Any? Uh... Yeah, actually, the comics for this week's show are, uh, we have Adam Sokol coming up, and uh, Pete Weiss and Matt McClowry, who are also performing with the comedy team of Autism and AIDS. Can Excellent. I, can I say that on Oh, there? certainly, yeah. <laughs> and Nate Fritzen is there, too, and these are all, most of the comics are from Detroit, and I'll be emceeing, and, um, you know, they're really, really fine. Matt McClowry is a really successful comic, so I don't know if the listeners are into comedy or not, but... Hopefully, uh, I want to get a good turnout. Now, what what would you recommend for people uh, to come down? What 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 would you how would you sell them on it? Oh, you know, support comics. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically what I would say, and it's funny. You know, I mean, stand up <laughs> comedy. It's like you can see bands anytime you want. You know, you can see bands at a party. You can see bands at Max. But to do something that's really funny, I think that's hard to do. I can't think of any really funny sitcoms that I watch. I mean, I don't have a TV right now. But <laughs> you know, it's like you know, just support comedy. It's people, and we're actually doing something. And you know, we're. You know, I'm basically putting this together all by myself. You know, nobody helps me really. And so, you know, just come and support and support the comics and help them out. Now, um, are are you particip- I mean, are you performing or is it just yeah. like serving as host? I'm the, I'm the MC, so I do some time too. I do about 10 minutes and then I do stuff in between. So, I, you know, I don't like to keep it on me because I'm pretty unprofessional as far as comics go. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I'll be, I'll be doing some time. So, now what, what got, uh, gave you the idea to, to get all this together? Well, real comics should go on about, you know, every night a comic should be doing his material and fine-tuning at this at kind of the starter level. Uh, most of these guys do feature sets, which is right below a headliner. A lot of them do MC work, which is below the feature. Um, I go up once every two weeks, so I was like, <laughs> I need to put together something that I can go. And also, I like to do more performance art stuff. Like, I like stand-up, but I like doing goofier, goofier stuff, too. So I, um, I just figured if I had my own show... Then instead of doing it for free at an open mic, I would be able to make some money at it, hopefully. And also I'd be able to do whatever I want and bring in comics who I respect. I mean, the worst thing about being a stand-up comic is, you know, watching some comic you hate kill. And it's just like, (laughs) I hate this guy. He's so hacky. And, you know, and some of the bookers who book around this area I don't like. I don't like their comics. So just do something where I could be in control and bring in people who I respected and people who I admire. Sounds like you definitely got that going on. But now, what, what sort of challenges do you have to overcome when you throw something together like this? Oh, I'm so lazy. <laughs> I'm so lazy in terms of everything. So it's like, I don't even have, I don't have MySpace. I'm not on Facebook. I don't have internet. So it's like, you know, I have no way to let people know about <laughs> that it's going on. It's all word of mouth, huh? It's all word of mouth. You know, it's like I talk to the papers. I'll call them one day and then just totally not even care. And like I said, I don't go up. I don't talk to people. I'm, I don't write any new material, you know. So I was going to try and tell some jokes here, but I think the forest guy did all my best stuff. So <laughs> I'll hold off. <laughs> well, now, uh, do you have any advice for anyone who uh, wants to get involved in stand-up comedy? Yeah, go on, go to a club and go on stage and keep going up over and over and over again because that's the only way. I mean, people all want to know, and that's that's what you have to do, basically. You yeah. just have to keep going, keep writing, and keep going up. And if you're young, you know, I'm 23. If you're around this age, it's the time to do it. You know, start touring. Now, is there any... Uh... Any moments in your past as, uh, as far as stand-up goes that sort of stick out, good or bad? Yeah, here's something I'm dying to plug. When I was a student <laughs> at MSU, I won the uh, last Spartan standing competition. I forget, I think maybe my junior college. And that was before I'd even, I'd like never done time before on a stage. I'd done like time once in high school and I went and did the competition and won. So that was like great. And then also I think the next year I went and I performed at Relay for Life and I bombed so bad. <laughs> <laughs> that, I, that I quit doing stand-up for like a year. Wow. People did not like my material. 
at all. No, like, wh- it was colossal. Why do you think that was? I'm very offensive. Okay. <laughs> I'm very offensive. And uh, it just, it was like a cancer, it's a cancer charity, and I'm doing right. jokes about, you know, like, I don't know what I can say on the air, but sexual dysfunction and drinking and hardcore drug use and just, you know, I mean, my act is to shock. I'm, if I'm not offending people, then I don't think I'm doing my job. I mean, that's part of my whole thing. It's I like... That's what I think performance is about, not just telling a joke, oh, I don't like my wife, but about being shocking and being able to say anything you want. And so people, they couldn't even hear me. The mic wasn't even turned on for a while. And they eventually asked me to, like, stop because they said my oh, swearing man. was a problem. They went up in the middle of my set. And after I told them repeatedly, like, you know, hey, I swear, you know, is this going to be a problem? They're like, no, no, you'll, it'll be great. And I'm like, I think I followed, like, a Christian girls acapella group or something. <laughs> I come up doing my material. It was wow. terrible. That is a tough act to follow. Oh, yeah. It was It was just surreal. But now it's fodder for my new act. So I wrote a whole new act. I quit for a year. I came back. I guess there's always a silver lining to, uh, to, to bad events like that, though, you know, yeah. as far as stand-up goes. Yeah, exactly. Well, now, you mentioned uh, sort of edgier kind of blue room kind of comedy. Uh, yeah. What, what is your take on that? I mean, do you think... Oh, I'm all for it. You're all for it? Now, why, but why, why is that, though? Because, it, well, it all depends on what you're doing. I mean, a lot of comics come out and they'll say, yada, 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 say something dirty. That's not funny. Mm-hmm. But, like, a comic I look up to a lot is Dave Attell, who is dirty, obviously, very dirty, but he's clever about it. Now, I'm not going to repeat some of his lines yeah, here. Yeah, we can. <laughs> but... You know, I, I'm i all about it. I think that if you can be dirty and be clever about it, I think it's great. And I'm into shock value. And and part of me, I'm just into being able to say things that you can't say. Any, you, know, you can't say on the radio or you can't. I mean, it's like my whole thing. People will be like, I have all kinds of terrible jokes. And people will be like, oh, I'll be like, this is a comedy club. Right. I can say whatever I want. You know, it's like, who cares? You know, so. But I mean, I think there's a line, too. I mean, obviously, I don't agree with, you know, ri- you know, racist humor. And a lot of my jokes kind of show that line where I'm trying to satirize racists mm-hmm. and people like don't get it, you know, when I'm playing North Lansing. So, so like, <laughs> but I mean, I think it's a fine line, but I'm all for it. I think it's great. Express yourself, do whatever you want, go and offend people. You know, it's a comedy club. It it's is. Uh, I, I happen to think it's one of the, uh, the ultimate forms of free expression. Uh, I'm sure you'd agree with that. Yeah. Uh, well, now you mentioned David Tell. Are there any other uh, sort of comics that you look up to? Uh, Louis CK, I think is, mm really great i think todd barry is great uh the late mitch hedberg i think was a genius god rest his soul god yeah. rest his soul <laughs> it's the thing about being a com- being a comic kind of sucks you know they're really into heavy heavy drugs and a lot of people he was actually more of a heroin doer but um big a lot of cokeheads and stuff mm-hmm. doug stanhope speaking of cokeheads doug stanhope certainly, i think certainly. is a great comic <laughs> not to out everyone and some of the comics we have i look up pete weiss who's the comic who's coming in for this show i think is a genius and i absolutely love his work and I I totally look up to him in terms of stand-up. And Nate Fritzen as well, who came last time too. I think Nate Fritzen is just a total genius. And I look at my stuff and then I see him perform and I'm just like, wow, you're totally – he's so much better than me. It's not even close. Well, now so. I've heard other comedians say that uh, sort of growing up with uh, uh, sort of a like an unfortunate upbringing, upbringing, things like that, hardships in their life make for better comedy. Do you agree with that or, or what's your take on that? You know, I think being clever makes for better comedy. <laughs> you know, some of the, I don't know, I can't talk about like Dave Attell. I mean, he thanks his father, I think, in his, the liner notes of his CD that I have. So, mm. I mean, it couldn't have been that bad, but I had a great upbringing. I love my parents. I, you know, I think it's just clever people. I think it's just all about, you know, it's like there's some comics like Christopher Titus just does all material about how crappy his dad was. And some of it's all right, some of it sucks. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it all depends. I think that. You just have to be clever. I think I actually a comic who talks about being on the flip side of that, being a father and does great stuff about fatherhood is Louis C.K., total genius. And 
you know, so, I mean, I think it all depends on how smart you are. And he approaches fatherhood from, you know, you take a comic like Ray Romano, who does a lot of wife and kid stuff, who I think is funny mm-hmm. in some level. Lucy K comes from a totally different aspect, talking about how he's a crappy dad and sure. how he hates all these aspects of fatherhood. And <laughs> it's, you know, it's great. So I think it all depends on, it just has to be clever. I mean, that's my thing. It's like, you know, if it's dirty, okay, great, but make it clever. Just make it smart, you know. Well, now, what do you think about uh, stand-up comedians who end up going like the sitcom route? Uh, do, do you... Do you respect that? Not sometimes? What's your take on it? It's that? actually fun. I actually have a bit about it, which I won't share. Not about <laughs> sitcoms, sorry, but about them doing dumb family movies. You know how Chris Rock does voices for like family movies now when it's like mm-hmm. he's such a dirty comic. And um, like Eddie Murphy is on like, you know, Shrek or something. Right. It's like, if you've ever seen Raw, that's a totally different guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, anything. I guess if they make money, I never begrudge anyone who's making money. I mean, if someone gave me, you know, whatever Eddie Murphy's making, do Shrek, $3 million, something like that, mm-hmm. it's like, do, you know, a movie about a talking toilet brush, I'd be like, fine, where do I sign <laughs> up? So, honestly, you know, I think it's fine. I think as long as you're still funny with it. I mean, to me, that doesn't bother me. As long as they're not, like, plug in, you know, the war or something, you know, sure, it's sure. like, you know, as long as it's something harmless, I honestly couldn't care less. I think that you got to do what you got to do and you know, you, I mean, if someone else is going to get the money. I mean, if you want to get the money, if you want to redistribute it, you know, the arts is one of the few places, arts and sports, where people who are poor can come up and do something and some of the money can be redistributed and you don't need a college education to make money. So, hey, more power to you. Do you think that it, uh, the quality of their comedy ever suffers from that, though? Uh, Sometimes, I think. Uh, you know, who's a guy who everyone loves, who I didn't hate his show, is Dave Chappelle. I thought oh, really? his comedy took... I thought his comedy was like great and then his show became all about like what if you went to buy a car but it was just black people at the dealership and it all became that like every single sketch was like about that like him taking some convention and turn over so i thought his i thought his stuff like when he did all kinds of like crazy stuff which about like all kinds i thought he was a genius when i saw stand up and i hated his show and everyone loves it i know but i thought it was just the lowest common denominator of show so sometimes, yeah, definitely. Well, now that was one of the reasons I believe that he he cut the show was that he was feeling pressures from the network. Yeah. Um, now, do you do you ever feel pressures from anyone like uh, who's who owns the the venue that you're pl- you're? Oh God, at? yes. I mean, what like like what? Some places you can't swear. Mm-hmm. You know, and for me, my whole act, if it's not about, you know, joking about being a pedophile or doing something totally offensive, then sure. it's swearing. I swear all the time in my act for emphasis. I mean. I also swear a lot just in conversation, so all kind of stuff. People don't like your material. I actually have a joke, you know, like how I had to switch all my heroin references to cocaine to make my act more act more <laughs> audience friendly. So it's all kinds of stuff. And also the comics feel pressure, too, to change for the audience. And actually, that's another reason. I'm glad that you brought this up, sort of, or I thought of this, but... You know, the biggest thing about our show, it's you now have to deal with that. I'm bringing comics who I respect, and they're doing stuff that they can't do anywhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, that they can't do at the clubs. Like Matt McClary, who is a comic who did our first show, I saw him MC, and his act was completely different than the stuff he did up with us. And guess what? When he MC'd, it was bad. And when he came out and did his set for us, it was genius. And he did like, you know, we were supposed to do like 20 minutes. He did like 40, and he was a ge- he was mm. amazing. The people were dying. People loved him. And he's great. He's an absolute genius. And you know, at our show, I get a soft on. It's called Get Soft. You can do whatever, whatever the f you want. You know, you can do whatever you want. Now, uh, could you give me uh, just a brief summary for, from a performer's perspective, what would be a great night for a stand-up comedian? Oh, a great, a great yeah. night would yeah. probably be. You you get to the club. Uh, nobody hassles you. Nobody talks to you. You can sit and get kind of drunk before you go on. <laughs> um, you go up. You do really well. The audience laughs at everything. You um, get off the stage, 
you either hook up with a groupie or can retire to your hotel room, room, excuse me, <laughs> hotel room to um, do whatever drug or alcohol you prefer. It's a hell of a night. Yeah, so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> you talk to the comics at the club, they hate it, man, but it's a, it's a thrill. It's, it's, you know, even me, like, you know, I'm not someone who gets very thrilled about really anything. I'm pretty even keeling. Just going up there and getting good laughs, it's, nothing's better than that. And sure. I've done a lot of drugs. Nothing beats it. <laughs> Well, it sounds like a, uh, one heck of a night coming up. Uh, Get a soft on is at uh, Max Bar this Wednesday. Or, excuse me, this Monday. Monday. Uh, July 9th. Uh, doors are at 8 p.m. Uh, four performers. Is that right? Yeah, and me. So that makes five. Excellent. Well, uh, sounds like a great night. Uh, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back with Elizabeth Simmons from the Lyman Briggs, uh, excuse me, Lyman Briggs College. I want to thank uh, Jesse Gibbings, the, uh, the MC for the night, for being here. Hey, thank you very much. All right. And best of luck. Thanks. We'll see you there. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a gang member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, The Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. This is the Impact Exposure. My name is Wes. I want to thank you for joining us. We just spoke with Jesse Gibbings from the uh, uh, organizer of the uh, of, uh, Comedy Night over at Max Bar this Monday. However, now we're going to switch gears and speak with uh, Elizabeth Simmons, the dean of the now Lyman Briggs College, former the Lyman Briggs School of Science. Uh, uh, could you tell us a little bit about what the college is about? Oh, so the college is a residential science community. We have um, a four-year undergraduate program where students study science and also the history and philosophy and sociology of science. And um, they do it in a residential context where they're living in Holmes Hall and they take their classes and their labs right there in Holmes. So 8 a.m., roll out of bed, run down to chem class in your slippers and... (laughs) There you are. <laughs> it's kind of a unique approach. Now, why, why, that, why take that approach? Oh, um, so Michigan State started three residential colleges 40 years ago, thinking that it would give um, a different kind of small community inside the large university for hmm. students who were looking for a smaller community. And so there's us, there's James Madison College, and back then there was Justin Morrill College. But now instead we have the new Residential College in Arts and Humanities. Excellent. Now, I mentioned the, the name change. Could you tell us a little about why, why the change in name? Oh, okay. So about 25 years ago, there was um, a lot of pressure on the university to um, change how things were organized. And at that time, uh, we were made a school inside of the College of Natural Science. They thought that would be a better way to organize things. And um, now in the last couple years with... Um, 
uh, with the uh, the new vision for the university and more ev- more emphasis on living learning communities. Um, it seemed uh, with the new residential college in arts and humanities being formed, um, it was time for us to be a college again so that we could really collaborate with James Madison and the new college and the Honors College on providing great opportunities for students. So now you mentioned the, the networking with the other residential uh, programs. Uh, what other kind of uh, opportunities does this present for the, for the college? Oh, well, it gives us um, gives us uh, a bit higher profile within the university. So other, um, other colleges also, like uh, the Department of Teacher Education in the College of Education, um, uh, College of Natural Science, it, it makes them aware also of opportunities to partner with us and um, uh, create... Um, you know, new curricula like the STEP specialization, for example, that we've been doing with Fisheries and Wildlife and uh, James Madison College. Um, it's great for our alumni because the alumni who were originally part of the college, mm-hmm. you know, they were they were really disappointed when we were made a school. They felt, no, oh, maybe maybe it was uh, kind of a demotion in some yeah, way. Sure. They weren't really comfortable with that, and so now. Um, I think uh, it just makes them feel really happy and included in the university again that, that we're a college. Certainly, so yeah. it gives great opportunity to um, you know, to reconnect with those alumni and make them really feel part of things again. Sort of a sense of pride for them, I suppose. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Nice. Now, I, I was reading a little bit about this, that uh, MSU's residential college program was cited in the uh, news, U.S. News & World Report's Best Colleges 2005 report. That's right. Now, what, what about the colleges do you think made the magazine cite uh, ours? Oh, um... What's what's really unique about ours is um, that they are four-year programs that have their own faculty. We have our own um, faculty with their tenure appointments right in James Madison or right in Lyman Briggs, for example. Mm-hmm. And um, if you go read about other uh, residential colleges around the country, they tend to first establish the college more from the residence hall point of view and then they recruit faculty to come in kind of on a temporary basis or a rotating basis. Mm-hmm. Having the faculty right in there who are um, part of the community, feel a sense of pride in it, feel really a sense of um, community with the students, I think that makes a big difference. Certainly. Well, yeah, and especially being a residential program like that, I would assume that the students would feel more connected to the, to the college itself. Absolutely. I mean, the students really get involved in, in every aspect, in searches for new faculty and staff, in um, setting educational policy, all sorts of things. They mm. really get completely involved, which is wonderful. Now, uh, being a student in the college, is it required that you live in the uh, residence hall, or can you live off campus and, and be a part of the program as well? So it's required in your freshman year. Mm. You have to live in Holmes Hall for the freshman year to really um, get involved in the residential experience. Then about half of our sophomores, roughly speaking, choose to live in, and the other half move elsewhere on campus or maybe off campus. Most of the juniors and seniors choose to live out. We have um, some who live in who are um, maybe uh, residence hall mentors on, on the floors or who are learning assistants within Briggs, helping with some of the recitations and labs and things like that. Um, but most of the juniors and seniors are ready to, you know, maybe have an apartment. Sure. A little, Spread your wings a bit. Yeah, yeah a little more <laughs> independence in that way. But they still are coming back to the building for classes and maintaining contact with the professors. Well, now, what kind of advantages do you see with a residential college program versus traditional programs on, uh, on campus? I mean, do you hear things from other uh, faculty members saying we 
you know, we wish we could get that for our school, or, or have you, do you see any comparisons there? Um, I think it, um, what, I, what I hear is that um, students can actually get a great experience at MSU either way. The ones who um, um, are particularly looking for an environment where they'll get to know the faculty, the faculty will know them by name, will know what they're interested in, and have that um, more personal kind of advising connection. It's a great place for students who are really looking for that. Mm -hmm. um, some students maybe came from a very small school and want to come to college and have the big place experience. And for them, yeah, the residential college might not be might not be the right sure. thing. Um, but I think that the chance to be uh, part of a community where other people on your hall will be in, you know, on, on your residence floor, will be in some of the same classes, maybe talking about some of the books after hours, going to hot topic debates right there in the building. It's a great opportunity to get an immersion in the intellectual life. It's a unique approach. I was really kind of uh, fascinated reading up on it. Uh, now, the the college, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong in this, uh, studies the impact of natural sciences on society. And the other way around, actually, oh, okay. also. Could because... you tell us a little bit about the, what, the, what that means and what it's all about? Sure. So um, our students would take, uh, so they, as part of Briggs, they would take, in addition to core science classes, biology, chemistry, physics, math, and completing a what we call a coordinate major, usually with another department. So maybe a coordinate major in chemistry or in zoology or human biology. They take at least four classes in history, philosophy, and sociology of science. The freshman year, they take their tier one writing course, but it's a course on history of science or philosophy of science, and then pretty much one, one course a year, all four years, and developing all the way to a senior seminar. And in those courses, um, they look at um, ways that technology is part of our modern society mm -hmm. or maybe how it has impacted um, society through history. But then they also look at how, um, say, uh, ethical issues might come up, for example, in the practice of science when you have to decide um, you know, what is the right way to conduct a, uh, you know, a clinical trial, for example. Mm. You might look at ethical issues involved in, um, you hear about clinical trials where they say, wow, the results are so clear, we've got to stop the trial and just make this medicine available to everybody. Oh, wow. How do you know? Yeah. How do you know that when, when that's the right thing to do? Um, what is, uh, you know, what are, what are things to consider in um, designing an experiment in the first place? And those are some of the issues that they look at in mm. these courses. Um, some of them are on, uh, um, there might be history of physics, there might be sociology of medicine, a whole range of courses. Interesting. Now, do you, do you focus on any sort of uh, ethics of, of science? Uh, you mentioned the, the sort of medical testing. Do you I mean, is there anything, any ethical concerns that, you, that the school looks at? Oh, absolutely. A lot, a lot of these courses have a component where they might look at, que at ethical questions that come up, and we have several faculty who are mm. philosophers and trained oh, in ethics. Now, what, yeah. sort of, what sort of questions do they look at? Oh, um, let's see. So there are questions that come up. Well, there are a lot of um, controversies that come and go in the news, say things to do with um, stem cells. There are, and mm. um, there are questions where people of intelligence and goodwill could have very different opinions on this same question. And then you might wonder, suppose you're the lawmaker trying to decide what's the right thing to do. How do you decide? If you're going to say you want to make the decision on ethical grounds, 
So what are the criteria you would apply? What is a, a good or what is a desired goal that you should even be considering? And how do you, decide, how do you make that list of goals to consider? Mm. And all of those things come into ethical ethical questions. Hmm. Uh, that's, that's sort of the more fascinating part for me, I think, just, you know, how do you teach something where there's no real answer to it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then it becomes a question of how do you support your ideas with evidence and with um, critical thinking and good writing? Certainly. And that's a lot yeah, of and it. I would think, you know, uh, political science classes and communications classes, they seem to have a lot of that as well. It's, it's always a more sort of a challenge, I would assume, for the faculty. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And especially keeping your own opinions in the background because your opinion might not be the one that really convinces somebody else. They may have their own opinion and their own uh, reasons and evidence. Certainly. So you, you want to encourage that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and they don't want to feel like they're in the minority, of course. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. part of the challenge of those that's courses. Really now, the Lyman Riggs uh, College is uh, celebrating its 40th anniversary, is that right? Yes, this fall we will. Excellent. Now, are there any kind of, uh, what, basically, what, is the, what does the anniversary mean for the college? Are there any events planned around it? or? Yeah, we are planning. We are planning some events on um, the first weekend in October, and we'll be publicizing a schedule soon. But we're going to have some alumni coming back to give talks. We're hoping to have some um, student presentations, um, maybe similar to the student research presentations we had this spring, which were really great and really a lot of fun. Um, and so we hope to have kind of a mix of events: chance for current students to meet some of the alumni and talk about what uh, what being part of the Briggs community has meant to different people over the years. I see. Uh, a pretty big celebration, I'm assuming? Uh, yeah, we we're, we hope so. <laughs> we hope so. Well, now, I have to ask, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of other MSU students that uh, see names of colleges and, and buildings around. We don't know who they're named after. Could you tell us a little bit about who Lyman Briggs was? Oh, sure. So Lyman James Briggs was a uh, graduate of uh, Michigan Agricultural College, mm. as it was then back at the um, turn of the 20th century. And he, um, he studied a whole range of sciences. He loved physics. I'm a physicist, so I'm oh. glad he loved physics. But he also studied um, botany and geology and many other subjects. And he went on to be um, actually quite famous in his day. He was the head of the Uranium Commission, which was the um, precursor to the Manhattan Project oh, wow. and helped decide how that research was going to take place and whether the United States should even be uh, working on such uh, dangerous topics. Um, let's see, later he was then made... Um, he was head of the uh, what was then called the National Bureau of Standards, and he focused on um, questions to do with applying science to the good of the country, trying to think about developing, say, new materials for making homes for returning GIs out of excellent but inexpensive materials so you could make better homes for people. I see. Um, he, invented, um, he invented all sorts of things, um, but perhaps the most fun thing he did was he proved that a curveball is thrown by a baseball pitcher, that the path of the curveball does curve. I've seen those uh, demonstrations. He's the one that, he's behind that, huh? He's behind that. He wow. got a pitcher from the Washington Senators, took the pitcher to an air tunnel, to a wind tunnel uh, that they would have been using for testing aircraft, got mm -hmm. the the motion cameras there, and had the pitcher, you know, throw the throw the different pitches and prove that it, you know, curves a certain amount. I don't know about 16 inches between uh, sure. the mound and home plate. Wow, 
that's my favorite use of science. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, was, uh, that was pretty fun. Excellent. Well, uh, I want to thank you for being here. Uh, my guest today has been Elizabeth Simmons from the now Lyman Briggs College. Uh, congratulations again on the, uh, the name change, the upgrade, I think that's safe to say. Yeah. And uh, best of luck in the future with everything in the college. Thank you very much. Right, it's been this, a pleasure. This has been Impact Exposure. My name is Wes. I hope you join us next week. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.